Hello and welcome to the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel. Today's book is Why Marriages Succeed or Fail by John Gottman. So there are some great tips on relationships in general. Even if you're not married, you can definitely use some of these tips for relationships. And anyone that's been married for some time knows that it definitely takes work to make relationships work. So the more we can learn about it, the happier we are. Why Marriages Succeed or Fail by John Gottman is a book that explores the science of marital happiness. Gottman, who is a renowned psychologist and relationship researcher, has spent over 40 years studying couples, and in his book, he shares the insights of what makes marriages succeed or fail. In this book, we will look at the positive to negative ratio. So Gottman found that couples who had a positive to negative ratio of at least five positives to one negative are more likely to have happy, lasting marriages. This means for every negative interaction, there should at least be five positive interactions. So if you start to take notice of your own actions, are you complimenting your spouse? Are you telling your partner that you care about them? Are you giving them hugs? Are you doing little chores for them? These are some of the positive interactions that help make marriages work. Another big one is acceptance. Gottman found that couples who accept each other's flaws and weaknesses are more likely to have happy, lasting marriages. Because guess what, guys? We are not perfect, trust me. Very flawed over here. Um, This doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything your partner does. But it is about managing expectations and not expecting perfection all the time from your partner because just like every other human on this earth, they're going to have flaws. So one of the reasons people get divorced statistically is because they have unrealistic expectations of their partner. So acceptance of their weaknesses is so important. Another big thing in this book is resolving conflicts constructively. So Gottman found that couples who are able to resolve conflicts constructively are more likely to have happy and lasting marriages because, hey, All couples fight or they should fight because that's how you set boundaries. But this means they're able to communicate even when they're fighting, communicate effectively, listen to each other's needs, and find solutions that work for both of them. Another big point of this book is that couples that have shared meaning work better. So Gottman found that couples who shared common visions for their lives are more likely to have happy, lasting marriages. This means they have a shared set of values, goals, and they're working together to achieve them. Gottman also talked about things that really hurt marriages and can be very damaging behaviors. And those things are things like criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. These behaviors can create a negative spiral that can lead to divorce. So let's quickly look at some of the statistics of why people get divorced and how many people get divorced. Currently, the 
accepted idea is that about 50% of marriages end in divorce. And this is actually not quite true because it's a little high. It's never quite reached the 50% point. And the correct statistics are about 42% of first marriages end in divorce, about 60% of second marriages end in divorce, and 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Other interesting statistics are the average length of a first marriage that ends in divorce is eight years. 6% of all people that divorce end up remarrying each other. So, hey, there's still hope. I actually had that happen in my family. My grandmother remarried my grandfather after many, many years. It didn't end well the second time. So just FYI. So the bottom line is if we can make a relationship or marriage last, we are happier And here are some lessons from John Gottman on how to do this. Number one is that criticism kills a marriage. The best way to destroy your marriage is to adopt negative thinking and negative behaviors. Therefore, every time you get into a discussion, please avoid criticizing too much even if you don't agree with your partner's perspective. Because that happens all the time. You don't see things eye to eye with your partner and therefore you start coming down on them negatively or criticizing them or telling them they're playing wrong or their perspective is wrong. And that slowly kills your marriage because it can weigh on the other person and over time it erodes things. So you want to notice If you're thinking negatively, if you're behaving negatively, if you're criticizing your partner and start to first be aware of those behaviors if you have them in the relationship. So you have to take ownership of that and realize that you are contributing to the problem because the only people we can change is ourselves. So if you are a negative person and tend to criticize, then start to take ownership of that, realize it, and that's how you start to first shift things. The big problem with criticizing is it's hurtful. So nagging, criticizing, and focusing on what your family and friends are doing wrong causes real damage to your relationship. And it just doesn't work. Criticizing is demotivating. We all think it's going to get our spouse, our kids, our employees to change if we tell them what's wrong with them. Like, get the memo. If you just change this, things would be fine. But it does not. The other reason criticism doesn't work is because it does not address the deeper issues in your relationship and inside of you. So criticizing others Maybe it's a reflection of your own internal anxiety or pain. It can be a way of trying to feel in control of something or someone when you truly feel out of control. So the more you criticize, the more unhappy you get. There's this interesting phenomenon called negativity bias. It essentially means that we all tend to look for and focus on the problems more than we do the positives. So looking for the good in relationships and looking for what you want and to be that thing you want, like if you want more love and affection, be the one that's being loving and affectionate 
towards your partner. And Gottman would say you have to have five positive interactions to the one negative criticism. And this could include finding things that you appreciate about your partner and you have to be authentic in this. You can't be fake and say you appreciate something that you really don't appreciate. So this could be anything from doing the dishes to giving a compliment like, hey, you look great in that shade of blue. Spending quality time together. So doing things you both enjoy that make you feel connected. It could be anything from going on a date to watching a movie together to going on a walk. These are all positive interactions. And remember, you can be playful and affectionate, touch, laugh, have fun together. This will help spark your alive feeling in a relationship. Laughter is such good medicine. So maybe you have to do something to spark that laughter, like watch a funny cat video together. And also be forgiving. Everybody makes mistakes When your partner does something to upset you, yes, you should talk about it and work it out. But once you're ready to forgive them, please move on because holding resentments will only damage your relationship. And if you need help letting go of resentment, that's something you can work on with a therapist. I always say to people now, choose guilt over resentment. So what does that mean? You should not hold something in that you're upset about. Instead, talk it through with your partner and hopefully they can help see your perspective and understand you. Now, sometimes we feel guilty when we bring things up with people, but that is what, you know, we feel the guilt and move on because if you're holding something in that you're going to be resentful for later because you never spoke up about it, then that's going to cause more problems than the small guilt you feel about bringing something up. And again, if you're doing all these positive things like laughing together, connecting on things you enjoy, complimenting, helping out around the house, then that outweighs the conflict when you bring it up. And look at the bright side of conflict. The theory that a solid marriage is a reflection of two people who never contradict one another is 100% wrong. Relationships actually grow in parallel and with the process of solving conflicts. And this may take getting some better communication skills, learning how to listen to your partner better. But if you're able to resolve conflicts, more appropriately, this is so healthy for your marriage. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about how to do this. Number one is focus on the issue, not the person. When you're in conflict with your partner, it's important to focus on the issue at hand, not on your partner's personality or character. So tearing down someone's character or telling them they have flaws is really harmful in these conversations. So that means avoiding personal attacks and name calling when you are trying to talk about something that you're in conflict over. Also, number two, very important, you have to listen to your partner's point of view even if you don't agree with it. Really try to understand where your partner is coming from and show them you understand by reflecting their feelings and restating what you think you heard from them. 
Once they feel understood, then you can express your own feelings and needs in a clear and respectful way. This includes not bottling up your emotions, but you don't want to attack your partner either. So instead, you use I statements to communicate how you feel. Like, I am feeling really sad now because we started to argue about the same thing we always argue about, and I'm just feeling really down. So that doesn't mean they made you feel that way. That's just how you feel. So be willing to compromise. Not everything will go your way. So be willing to meet your partner halfway. And remember, focus on the solution, not on who's right or who's wrong. This is a relationship killer trying to win. So the goal of conflict resolution is to find the solution that works for both of you, not trying to win the argument or say, hey, I have the right perspective and you have the wrong perspective. Another big tip is take breaks when you need to. If you're getting too angry or too flooded with emotions, you're not going to think rationally and therefore you may yell or call names in anger and this won't help your situation. So find a time to talk about when we're in conflict, someone can say we need to take a break and the other partner has to respect that. Gottman also talks about the four warning signs that your relationship is in trouble. And the number one sign is criticism, which we talked about earlier. But again, if you're criticizing all the time, it's very damaging. The second one is contempt. And contempt is a more extreme form of criticism. It involves making negative judgments about your partner. And these can be things like name calling, which could be names like stupid, lazy, a jerk, all of this is a form of contempt. Mocking, so making fun of your partner's appearance, intelligence, or personality is a form of contempt. Also certain body language like rolling your eyes or sighing loudly when your partner's talking, which is a way to show you're bored or annoyed with your partner. Your tone of voice and your body language, things like crossing your arms, or turning away or making dismissive gestures when you're talking to your partner can be a form of contempt. And the third warning sign is defensiveness. When you become defensive, you are essentially putting this wall up to protect yourself from criticism. And criticism can hurt, so it makes sense that you would want to put a wall up but it actually then blocks communication and you can't effectively listen to what your other partner is saying because you're so shut down. One way that I know I'm in the defensive mode is I just go inward and I don't want to talk and I don't want to listen and I'm often, I become silent or you become sarcastic or mocking or overly emotional, like you get really angry, upset, or even cry. And that just makes you a little bit more argumentative and not open to listening. So those are times when you need to pause and come back to the conversation. Or acknowledge, I feel really defensive right now and I don't know how to get out of it or I'm having trouble getting out of it can help just acknowledge that for your partner. And according to Gottman, the fourth sign that your relationship could be in trouble is stonewalling. 
Stonewalling is the most extreme form of defensiveness. It involves withdrawing from the conversation, refusing to communicate. This can be very isolating for your partner and can make them feel like they are not important, don't deserve to be heard or understood. So in some ways, this could be like the silent treatment where it becomes punishing. You withdraw so much that your partner has no idea what's going on. So you not only put a wall up, but it's a thick stone wall that they cannot get to you. You are therefore out of the relationship in a way, and you're not participating in any kind of communication. Therefore, nothing can get resolved. So just like contempt is a higher form of criticism, stonewalling is a higher form of defensiveness. So if you know which side that you typically go on, are you more of the critic or are you more of the defensive person? I would suggest always looking at your own stuff first and not blaming your partner. Because if you change in the relationship, the dynamics will change. Even if it's slow, everything will change if you change. And finally, I want to leave you with these three communication tips from the book. Number one is how to stay calm in the heat of an argument. So I talked about earlier taking breaks. But statistically, it takes at least 20 minutes for your psychological response to go back to normal. So when you take those conversational breaks, make sure you wait at least that long. And you want to do things that clear your head and keep you calm. So you can listen to music, take a bath, do some breathing exercises. It doesn't matter exactly what you do as long as you do something that you find relaxing. And when you're ready, you can come back to discuss whatever you were trying to get a resolution for. The next tip is practice non-defensive body language. So are you standing with your arms crossed? Are you rolling your eyes? This will give your partner a clear message that you're not ready to listen. You want to have an open posture. You want to look them in the eye. You want to put away your phone. And you want to make sure that you're showing them that you're vulnerable, that you care, and that you're ready to listen. And when you do listen, the third tip is to validate your partner, which means mirror back what they're saying to show you're actively listening and looking at their perspective. And the most powerful way to validate someone is with empathy. So actually put yourself in their shoes and try to imagine what they're thinking and feeling and let them know you understand. So if you're having trouble and you need professional support, I encourage you do that with a marriage counselor. You can have marriage counselors that are trained in the Gottman method. Make sure you check that out when you look for a therapist and that their style works with what you're looking for. So anytime you work with a good therapist, you can improve communication and start to get your marriage to where you want it to be. So keep reading, keep learning, keep growing, believe in miracles, and I will talk to you next week on the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel.